Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of XP Gains. My name, as always, is McThane, and I'm here, or not here, as the case may be. Nobody could have seen this coming. Not even the Spanish Inquisition. Yes. <laughs> so, we're doing a show today, aren't we? Yes, we are. This is a little bit weird. You mean after having been gone for quite a while? After having been gone for a while? And with uh, Taynot being here as well? Yes, yes, a new host. It's a me, the new hostio. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't heard the uh, little uh, update uh, episode that I posted earlier, Thane won't be a part of the show for an unknown amount of time, basically. And we are going to be going on making new episodes without him. Uh, he will be missed, obviously, because, you know, his jokes are pretty good. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we hope to have him back uh, as soon as possible. But no promises. Uh, and, of course, uh, for now, we have found uh, a replacement host. <laughs> yes, it's me. Mr. Jeers. Yes, you. You, you might remember Jeers from a special that we did uh, two years ago, I want to say. You know? It must have been something like that. It was quite a while ago. Yeah, so I remember us talking about God of War uh, and stuff like that. So that must have, yes. been, must have been 2018. Uh, last year wasn't a busy year at all for uh, XP Gains because we only did very few episodes. But uh, yeah, this is, I think, the second episode of the year for 2020. It's been a very weird year for everybody, I think. <laughs> I think you can say that again. With uh, with like the virus and stuff uh, happening. Uh, fortunately, uh, you know, we've been staying at home and taking it easy and being careful. As much as possible, indeed. Which means, of course, that we've had more time to play video games uh, than usual. I know I have been, uh, I've had more time to do uh, stuff inside. Uh, so... Just more time in general, actually. Yeah, like a lot of like um, just commuting time just is gone now, which yeah, is... Yeah, I've, uh, I've done so much more exercising and so much more playing video games and watching shows and literally everything I did more because I was on the road less. It's For all the bad the, the virus has done, there is some fascinatingly good stuff actually going on. Yeah, that me and I know a lot of other people still want to keep when things turn back to normal. Yeah, I think so as well. Like I, I've, I've really appreciated not having to do the like commute to work. That well, is, that's you know, that's probably the worst offender, right? Yeah, I think it depends, right? If you if you live five minutes from work, that's not really an issue. But uh, if you have <laughs> I mean, to that's, travel, that's just a jog. Yeah, that's, that's healthy. Exactly. Yeah, that's healthy. But if if you have to take like half an hour to an hour to get to work, then, you know, that's a lot of savings. Yeah, uh, also, just driving around and commuting takes a toll on you because people are assholes in uh, in traffic. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, everybody. It's, I'm not going to ex exclude myself from that. I'm probably just as awful as everyone I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm hating on. <laughs> you, just don't, you, don't, you just don't realize it of yourself, but... Yeah, uh, now that 
So being in traffic in general, I don't find to be a very enjoyable experience. No, it's it's um, awful. Everybody everybody clearly shares the same opinion. Um, and we're all like, I wish I could be the only person on the road, but you know, that's not how it works. <laughs> Unfortunately not. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad, uh, actually happy to be, uh, quote unquote stuck at home. Um, I've been in various cases, you know, like the most productive ever. Oh, same. At times, especially because, you know, I, I can sleep in a little bit longer than before. You know, I have more time to exercise, so I'm, I'm healthier than I usually am. And of course, like you said, like the, just being in traffic kind of like pisses you off already. So it's, it rains you. So it takes away even more of your, of your night, of your evening because you need to recuperate, right? Yeah. And, but there's also like the aspect, uh, of just being in traffic, like, gives me a short temper <laughs> oh obviously yeah right that's... so when you when you spend an extended amount of time in traffic and there's people who are really annoying on the road like i i come i arrive at 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 work or at uh at home if i've if i've come back from work uh and i'm already like pissed because yeah, some idiot was speeding like a like a lunatic um on a road where you're only supposed to drive like 50 kilometers per hour and this guy's like <laughs> i can drive 90 <laughs> you know like that kind of <laughs> yes, shit yes that pisses me off to no end oh um, it's it's unsafe right yeah and like at intersections like i've had people like i'm on the way home i'm like three streets away like removed from basically the house and uh there's an intersection and i just know that i have to go and like break a little bit because otherwise the chances of somebody not paying attention and just colliding with me <laughs> are pretty high. So if <laughs> if there's somebody coming uh, from the opposite direction, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the brakes, even though I don't literally have to give way. Like they have to give way to me. Yes, but, yes. But but, but they don't always do that. And then of course I honk the horn really hard when they don't like obey the fucking rules of of traffic. Um, at one point, I, I was very close. I think I was like maybe ten centimeters from the other car. I had to hit the brakes as hard as I as I could. Uh, was I, I think it was like some woman who was on the phone and uh, didn't see that uh, she had to give way. Uh, that yeah. that gave me a bit of a fright. And ever since, Whoa. I've I've been I've been braking really. <laughs> <laughs> really carefully <laughs> at that intersection. Oh, like, yes, yes, I don't want to. I don't want want that to happen again. I once had it happen that I was crossing a road by foot. This was back in high school, so uh -huh. I I had my back on my well back, and so when when you're crossing the road and you're on the road, people have to stop because of course you're on the road. It's it's just like an intersection. If there's somebody in the middle, you have. To give way to them. That's right. You don't run over people. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a pretty fundamental rule in traffic. I would say that's fair, yes. <laughs> I think that's pretty fair, actually. But yeah, this guy didn't stop. He he just spat on heads oh, wow. and he actually pulled my my back from my uh from Ooh, me. Wow. Yeah, that was that, that was insane. Super close then. Holy it shit. It was super close, yes. The the thing was he's he actually stopped 50 meters before for uh, for a biker while I was crossing at the same time. But of course, a biker crosses the road faster and he just sped and he pulled my back. Oh my gosh. People are awful in traffic, so 
the less time spent in traffic, the better, I guess. So he hit your bag. Yes. Right. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. My school bag. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, better than better the bag than well, the back, better the bag right? than me, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could have ended awfully. Yeah. Wow. That's terrible. But yeah, so we don't have to deal with that madness anymore. <laughs> exactly. Can... More time for games, which we are going to talk about, right? Yeah, we are. Uh, this is not the How Silver and Gears Live podcast, but this is the XP Games well, podcast. Well, it could be. If yeah, we really be. want to. If we really want to make it into that, we could do I it. I don't think we want to do that, actually. I, don't, yeah, I think my life at least, is too far too boring. Uh, <laughs> well, speak for yourself, man. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm doing. Um, all right, great. So, yeah, so Thane is not going to be uh, here for the next two episodes. Uh, Jeers will be filling in, and, I mean, if, if you're up for it, you can become a, uh, a regular host. So, yes, uh, we'll, we'll see how this, this thing goes, right? Exactly, right. Um, this is uh, an experiment, I guess, in the first place, so... Uh, as long as we're having fun, that's kind of the main point of the podcast. So uh, yes, exactly. Once it stops being fun, or it feels like an obligation, and it's it's no longer enjoyable, then of course we just we terminate the podcast. Of course, that's why I had that frank talk with uh, with Thane, and he was like, "Well, you know, I don't really think I have the energy or like the creative energy to do it right now." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, man, that's fine. I totally understand." Um, and then I, I asked you, right, if you were up for it. And then you were like, yes, sure. And, Could uh, be interesting. And here we are. So uh, if this didn't work out um, and there's no episode for like a year, you know what happens. Like, uh, I, I guess... Uh, we're giving them a, a, a one-year time frame. Yeah. <laughs> you have a year to come back then. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't come back, then uh, like Jeers officially becomes the second co-host. And then you... <laughs> Oh wow! Wow, it's like uh, usurping uh, the the co-host. Oh yes, rights. yes, it's going to be a bloody battle. It's going to be all Warhammer 40k style. Oh yes, <laughs> limbs are going to be torn, chainsaw blades are going to, well, be swung around. <laughs> yes. Talking about chainsaws, um, I played a game recently that had uh, a, a little girl in it who swings around a chainsaw when she executes personas. At first, I thought you were going to talk about lollipop chainsaw, and I was really confused. <laughs> yes. But persona makes mo much more sense for you. Yes, exactly. So there's been a lot of games that I've played, and there's many that I kind of wanted to talk about when we weren't doing any shows. Like one of them was like, I wanted to talk about Fire Emblem. Everybody was like really happy about it and stuff like that, but we were not doing any shows. So, oh, well. <laughs> We didn't get to talk about it, right? Uh, we're not going to talk about it now uh, in any case um, either. Uh, but what I would like to talk about is about, you know, the stuff that's relatively recent. So um, in April, I played Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, I'd, I'd actually started playing Persona. And then, um, like, Final Fantasy just caught my eye. And I was like, okay, I need to play Final Fantasy instead. So I, I was like, in the, after the first dungeon of Persona 5 Royal, um, I just said, okay, we're going to switch to Final Fantasy. So, so you basically switch from one really in-depth JRPG to another. To another. Uh, yes, that's correct. <laughs> Two giant time sinks because well, we felt like it. Yeah, well, Final Fantasy 
7 Remake isn't that long. Well, how long is it, actually? I see that most people have spent about 35 hours on the Final Fantasy 7 Remake. There we go. Could, could that be <clears throat> right? Yeah, I think 30-35 hours is... Uh... That's still a long game, right? Oh boy, do you know how much time I've spent on Persona 5 Royal? <laughs> I mean, that's an extremely long game. Just to get through the game once took me 173 hours. That's crazy. That's that's a long game. <laughs> no, but as far as JRPGs are concerned, I think 35 hours is pretty short uh, because most JRPGs tend to be pretty long, right? I'm, th- I'm thinking like 50 hours tends to be the benchmark for like big JRPGs. Yes. Of course, Final Fantasy is in a special position there because it's actually the first mm-hmm. half or third yeah. or something the first like that part. Yeah. Of, uh, of the game. It's the first part and there's still much more to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so where are my notes here? So, yeah, so I had some impressions written down here on Final Fantasy Remake. Um, I guess you haven't... Have you played the demo? I have played yeah. the demo. What did you yes. think of the demo? It was confusing because <laughs> it's such a strange combat system. Yeah, it's a little bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, what what do you actually think about the combat I system? I think the combat system is pretty fun. I think it takes a little bit before you get used to it. But once you've got it down, um, it's pretty fun. There's one thing about the, the combat system in the demo that's different from the final game. Uh, and that is that the uh, in the final game, you can uh, set up some of the face buttons on your controller, like square. Uh, to map okay. to a specific skill so you don't have to go through the menus to use that skill, right. which really speeds up combat significantly. That's a solid improvement. I was a little bit fumbling around with the demo, and then in the final version of the game, it was way better because simply because of that. Uh, so that Yes, because they added that They that added feature. that, yeah. Uh, th- like the demo. And you had time to play around with, uh, with UI and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- well, I think the the rest of the UI is pretty streamlined. There's only one thing that I think is a little bit annoying in the game, and that is the weapon upgrade system. The materia? I mean, no, the slotting itself is fine, but when you upgrade your weapons, it presents like this really cool-looking UI, but it's only cool the very first time you're seeing it, and then like <laughs> all the other 99 times you need to use it, you're like, this thing is slowing me down, you know? Yes, yes. So that that isn't fun. Uh, But yeah, what did I have written down here? So, oh yes, so I thought the presentation of the game was absolutely phenomenal. It looks so good. Um, There's like transitions between the game engine's cutscenes and the gameplay, and they are so smooth, like you have to be very careful, and you probably won't be able to tell. I actually just thought like some bits were being rendered live, but it actually turned out to be videos, which... I'm generally speaking pretty good at guessing like when a video is playing because you can clearly sometimes see the artifacting right of of the video yeah the video stream I must be gigantic uh, video files that they they are using yeah, now. I imagine so uh, the game is pretty big the game is like ninety gigabytes, so I mean that explains it I think but we've we've gotten pretty good at um compressing video nowadays though so um like I think one of the problems back in the day was we had to use like uh game. Uh, centric video playback systems like Bink Video and stuff in in video games. And so those were like big video files just to make sure everybody could play them because there was no like universal MP4 codec or anything. 
And then everybody had to use Bink Video, and Bink Video had like massive artifacting issues. So you can like clearly tell that like this is a cutscene now. Um, and you know, I I think many games still use Bink Video, and you, you can really tell when when they switch. I, I remember uh, Legacy of the Voids launching uh, for StarCraft, and the intro video just having so much artifacting that it was actually more reliable to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, that's than right. The, yeah, than I remember that too. So it's it's definitely still around. Well, Legacy of the Void was quite a while ago, but... Mm, yeah, I want to say... Not that long ago. I want to say like five, six years ago. But you have to... Yeah, so the, the problem with StarCraft is that that original... It, de- it depends on the original engine, right? Yes, Which of was, course. The game course. was released in 2011, so it's actually a nine-year-old uh, game there okay and uh final fantasy doesn't really have that problem because well it's really yeah it's it's brand new right so that's great their engine it seems it seems to have a great engine oh yeah it runs the the way it runs the way it looks just the i haven't played it but all the detail i've seen on the on the characters is just phenomenal yeah so here's the thing uh, about uh the game there's uh, one minor issue with texture pop-in that has been uh, spotted by people, and there's like a bunch of objects in the game as you like go through it. You'll you'll notice yes. like that the, the detail seems to be really off. Like it's it's a very very low resolution um, texture that loads in, and somebody like dissected the game, and they found that it's like an Unreal Engine bug or something because they're doing some weird memory allocation. So it's something that they could fix. They might not, you know, because you have to take the game through certification. Yeah, so there's a, there's a texture issue with the game, but it's fine. It's it's not a deal breaker. It's, there's like a couple of times I've noticed it, but like the biggest offender was like a cloud's door in a in a certain part of the game. Like at the start you 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 go to like a little apartment building in the slums. And Cloud has this little unit where he uh, spends the night, and like the the texture of the door is just like super low res, <laughs> uh, and it's like really <laughs> weird because everything else looks really great. Um, so that's one exception. Well, that doesn't sound too bad if it's just mm-hmm. a door. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh yes, the voiceover is really good too. Yes. Yeah, so I can't really remember any any example of that. So. I'm just going to believe mm-hmm. yeah there. the 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 VO work like there's um it's it's good work by by excellent voice actors they've got like many of the big names in 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 the industry and I actually follow like a ton of voice actors on Twitter recently I've started doing that after um Fire Emblem um came out and I was like yeah I want to follow these people on on Twitter and and see what they're doing yeah and yes. um like many of them were like, yeah, I'm like a minor voice in Final Fantasy Remake, which is kind of funny. The only real example I know about, well, the voice work in Final Fantasy, it's because I've played the demo, is that clouds, clouds often sounds really bored. Yeah, but I think that's intentional. That's, yeah. It's probably part of his character because he's really disinterested in whatever. He helps the terrorists. But he's really not interested in their mo- motivations. Yeah, that's that's all very intentional. Yes. So in the demo, you have uh, Barrett or Garrett? Barrett, I think. Barrett, yeah. Just preaching the the philosophy uh-huh. of of the terrorists and Cloud is just 
yeah, yeah, whatever. There, there's a... So that, that might be intentional. Yeah, there's a story explanation for all of this stuff, yeah. It's it's still... He, he sounds bored. Yeah, intentionally so, yeah. Which might not be the most interesting thing if you're just playing a demo. No, yes. I think that can be a little bit weird. Uh, the other thing that I found really weird, and that was in the demo as well, was that the uh, proportionally compared to the rest of the audio, the grunting of the characters is pretty loud. Right. Which is a very distracting at times. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, w- w- how the hell did they mix it like this? I don't understand. Like, if they've lowered the gain by like 50%, it would have been way better, I think. You you don't know what's going on in those back alleys, man. <laughs> <laughs> it can't, yeah, like if the, you know, the, the grunts of the women kind of sound a little bit sexual. So it's, <laughs> it's a bit weird uh, in, in that regard. Um, like, it's too loud. Just lower the volume a little bit and it would have been perfect. But at this point, like... There are no options in the, ma- in the menu for that? Uh, there's no option to adjust grunts, unfortunately. <laughs> I think... I believe yeah. you can individually, like, um, change uh, the, the, uh, the volume of the music and speech. But, like, the grunting is part of the speech, apparently. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's very unfortunate. In, in some games, they do actually separate out battle, uh, battle sounds from cutscene sounds. But that that's clearly not the case in this here. Then, well, it's it's not really all that common either. So I can't really blame them for it. It just will be appreciated. No. Uh. So, in general, I would say uh, voiceover is really good. But what's the real star of this game is the soundtrack, though. It's so fucking good. It's. It it's really be. good. It's so good, even that I even bought the soundtrack um, Ooh, digitally. Wow. Um, that's that's some praise because man. you know I stream most of my music nowadays, so I only reserve my purchases for something that really sticks out as fantastic. And there's just some of the soundtrack, like the key pieces, are so beautiful and i do not even have the reference point of the original version of the game and be to be like oh yes this is what it sounded like in the original and this is what it sounds like now no i was like just stunned by how good the music is knowing nothing about the game uh yeah so there's a ton of bangers <laughs> in this in this soundtrack ton yeah of bangers, uh yes. it's wonderful um it's it's really strange because a lot of those AAA titles go by the philosophy of good music doesn't is not supposed to be uh, noticed, but clearly that that must not be the case for Final Fantasy, no, right? No, no, yeah, it's kind of weird. I I don't actually actively what I've played many games, and there's only a few series, and it's usually the like the JRPGs that do this best, the like they have really powerful music uh, for character moments, but games from a more Western approach generally don't tend to have very showy pieces of music. Some games clearly have very distinct soundtracks, uh, right? So if you hear... Um, a lot of the Jesper Kidd soundtracks are really great. Yeah, so Assassin's Creed has very interesting light motifs in their music. Yeah, which I like. He also did the music for um, Dark Siders, which was also mm-hmm. really great. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Jesper Kid, right? Jesper Kid, yeah. Yeah, so that was Assassin's Creed two, and then after that, there were like other composers. So for me, 
it works best if there's like a singular composer doing multiple entries. Just like what happened basically with, um, I want to say the Elder Scrolls, right? All of the Elder Scrolls games, they don't have necessarily, like I think Oblivion has the most recognizable theme and then like Morrowind has a couple of really recognizable themes. And then Skyrim has some, like the theme songs tend to be the most well-known and like they're the ones that burrow inside of your mind. But like the rest of the music is not really memorable. I mean, it sounds great. It's atmospheric. It gives you that feeling, but it's not super memorable. Whereas in many JRPGs, even the background tracks are like super memorable. That's really a big difference, I think, between uh, West and East mm-hmm. uh, approach to well, music mostly. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of interesting things to talk about when you're comparing. Eastern versus Western games, I think. And definitely, oh, yes, yes. Definitely uh, especially worth... the, the RPGs genre is probably the most disparity between two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think definitely worth uh, maybe a, an, an actual full episode to just talk about examples and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. maybe. What else uh, did I want to say? Oh, yes. Um, so because this is the first part of... We don't know how many parts is going to be yet, but people are guessing that there's going to be either three or four parts. Um, we I have would say the same uh, yeah. probably from what i know about final fantasy 7 without actually having played it i think uh th- the first part is just the city i think uh it's it's just midgar yeah it's that's just correct midgar right which is like yeah. um the first people are saying like the first 10 to 15 hours of the original game uh but it's like so there's there's really two opinions on this right there's people who say it's fine. It's great. Midgar is, you know, like beautifully set. It sets the stage for the game. It's, it's really expanded. The character development's all here. And then there's people that say, well, you've just stretched 15 hours of gameplay into 35 or 45, and it's not really doing the game a service. I think I'm in the first camp where I'm like, it's a pretty good adventure. I wasn't pissed at the end of the game that it was over either. I was like, yeah, this was fun. And of course, I really want to know what happens next. Um, but we need to talk about the title of the game, though. Because there's it's an interesting title, you know? Final Fantasy VII Remake? Yeah, that's right. If you think Remake is about the fact that they've remade Final Fantasy VII, yes, that's what the title refers to, but it also refers to something else that happens inside the story. Uh, that's to say, the story slightly diverges from the original game. So some events, you remake them in a way. Um, I, but I won't go into spoiler territory for this. Yes, yes. I'm still planning on uh, playing this myself. Exactly. At some point. Probably when the next part comes out. Yeah, so that's all, I, what I, uh, all, all that I will say on that. But that's really fascinating that they actually decide to change up the, uh, the story for... Not necessarily that much but it's still something that's not often done in remakes yeah so the biggest change in this game is uh, mostly relates to the ending which makes sense i think because otherwise it would have been a rather like anticlimactic ending because you know that in the original game at a certain point cloud and his party leave the city and that's the ending of the game but there's some stuff that happens around there as well that is that is new and that has a meaning and really kind of shapes the entire rest of the game in a way. But I'm not going to tell you what that is. I will tell you one thing, though. Once you finish the game, 
go watch um, Maximilian Dude's uh, video on Final Fantasy VII Remake. He has like a really interesting dissection of what these changes mean and how they relate to the original game. As somebody who didn't play the original or doesn't know anything about the spin-offs or anything like that, that was a very informative and interesting video and really gives you a good idea of what you can expect uh, the next games to be like. Or, you know, maybe there won't even be any changes in the next few games. We don't know. Uh, but it's it's certainly going to be very interesting. Uh, okay, I wanted to say a few other things about the game real quick. So there's a few mini games in the game. They're fun. The character animation, also really good. Yes, yes. You, you've streamed a few clips of that. It was... For character models that are quite inhuman, as to, as to say, they're, they're clearly represents humans, but it's quite oh, a Japanese art style, right? Uh, but they still look so realistic despite that. It's, it's quite insane, actually. They're a little bit... Uh, like, Barrett's a good example, right? He's like a huge hunk of a man with, uh, with a minigun as an arm. <laughs> I want one of those. Somehow he looks, uh, still looks believable. He doesn't look out of place or he doesn't feel inhuman, which is cool. And then of course, Tifa is ridiculously fit, but at the same time, super busty, which I mean, is not a thing in real life. So yeah, I think the, like Cloud is like a young man and he like is supposed to be a super powerful soldier. Nobody has that kind of uh, hair or arm strength to just lift a sword. <laughs> exactly, right? It's, it's not really physically possible, but it's a game, so... Yeah, they, they can get away. Do it. They can get away with it. I think the most normal-looking person in the game is probably, in terms of main party, is Aerith, who just looks like a, a young girl, and um, her design is really well done. Uh, yeah, so I've talked about the gameplay loop before. Like It took me a little bit of time to get used to it, but once I, I got it, I really enjoyed it. I think the pacing as well was really good. So like I said, there's two camps, right? The people who think, oh, it's stretched out a little bit too much. I think that there's no section of the game that is like too long so that it outstays its welcome, Yes. which is pretty rare. I generally go through, well, I go through a lot of games it, and every now and then I'm like, this is too long, you know? Yes, like this, this... It's, it's an open world game, right? Not really. Because I I found that open world game or se semi open world games really have difficulties with uh, with the pacing of their story because of course you always have the opportunity to just interrupt the story to do something else. Yeah, so this often, is this is not an open world game. Um, you might get the impression that it is, but it is not. Um, oh, really? The way it works is there's a couple of chapters and they're just linear. However. In, I think, three particular chapters, you get a moment of rest and there's a small area that opens up. And then inside that area, there's side quests that you can undertake. And that's it. Um, which is a very basic implementation. It feels a little bit open-worldy because of that, but the story is strictly linear. Uh, so you can't really say, you know, five minutes into the game, I'm going to go here and do something else. No, you you have to follow the main beats of the story. Uh, that is pretty much fixed. And you can choose to ignore the side missions if you'd like and just proceed with the main story content Yes, uh, as you'd like. So it's probably closer to a, to a God of War than a uh, 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey or something. Oh, yes, yeah. Way closer to God of War. I would even say that God of War is probably more open. Yes, it, it definitely is, but it's... Uh-huh. Uh, oh, God of War also has uh, side quests that open up as the story progresses. I meant in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite similar to that, in fact, in terms of pacing. And I think that really, I mean, that works well because it doesn't give you the opportunity to like just completely diverge from the main story. You're always going to be connected to the main story. So that's actually really, really cool. I wish more games did that. It really fixes the pacing problem of open world games. Uh, it doesn't, of course, give you as much freedom, but hey, that's a, a design decision. If you're making a, a game that is so story-driven, though, I think this is the correct approach to take. Okay. So take note, developers. Yeah, this is a great approach. Okay, so what about the difficulties, right? You know, there's a couple of difficulties in the game. I played through normal difficulty, and I thought it was challenging uh, at times, which is something I don't usually say when I'm playing video games on normal difficulty. Um, That's probably because the, the gameplay loop just took me a little bit of time to get uh, to really appreciate like how everything worked. Um, one thing is that at certain times, at certain points in the game, you get bosses, like in most JRPGs, and they really force you to, to learn the mechanics, um, or you just don't win from them. Um, and I was stuck at like a boss, I want to say 10 or 15 hours into the game, and I didn't know what to do, so I had to do a little bit of research, and then I... I it turns out that I'd been neglecting a particular mechanic of combat, uh, and once I understood what was going on there, it was trivial to beat the boss. But uh, again, goes to show that the combat system is pretty, uh, like it looks pretty simple, but it's pretty uh, pretty in depth, especially so once you start slotting materia. Uh, to to further define your playstyle, I'm guessing. Yeah, so boss battles are really good and fun too. Um, the only real disappointment about this game is the fact that we have to wait so long for its sequel. Yes, yes. That's exactly the reason why I haven't played it yet. Because who knows how long it's going to take. It's probably yeah. going to be next year somewhere. I don't even know if it's going to be around. I think 2022 is a good good bet. Or Ooh, 23. That's actually really long. Most people have for- will have forgotten most of the story by then. I, I don't know. I think... I mean, it's a, there's a, a clear benchmark of where the game stops, like they leave the city. I think you could probably even play the second part of the series without having played the first part as long as, as you know. As a separate game. Yeah, as, as long as you know. Now, Cloud, have, Cloud and his party have just left the city. Like, wow, okay. And we can just jump in there. I think that works really well as a transition point to the next game, which is good. Well, as a transition point probably mm-hmm. but yeah you already have all this story going on and the while you might be able to no no you d- you should definitely play the first one yeah it's yeah the the details are going to be totally gone in two years so i hope they don't take that long yeah i i have no idea uh we we have no knowledge of that i assume that it'll it won't take as long as the original uh development time for well, the they fr- have all the models. They have most of the animations. They exactly right. That's what what I was going to say. Technology, so this should be the quote unquote fast part, which 
it's still not fast. But yeah, what's yeah. interesting is I believe the producer or something or somebody involved uh, was like saying that they weren't even sure how they were going to do the second part. Like they 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 were apparently. Uh, so it's really all up in the air still. The design of the second I don't know. Part maybe still. I'm I'm guessing it's probably been decided by now. But when the game released. Uh, or like, no, a couple of months prior to the release, I think they said something along the lines of, we know where to go with the second game, but we don't know if we want it to be slightly more open world or not, because once you leave the city, of course, the world opens up in the original as well. So how they will translate that to the new series is is a question mark still, but yeah. Uh, oh yes, there is one thing, and that is I don't like the name of the game, right? So, I mean, remake is cool, but I hate that they didn't put part one as like a, a subtitle of this game yes because yes. it really gives you the the incorrect impression it gives you the impression like if you've never heard of this game and if you well if you know final fantasy 7 and you see that on the shelves you might think oh wow that's a remake that looks amazing and then you're like 45 hours in and boom you the credits roll and you're like well it's not five hours it's it's pretty much the length of an actual full-on game yeah but even so like the story is not concluded right um, yes, yes. You're clearly not getting the full story. That's what I wrote down in my notes here. So um, it can be a little bit frustrating there, but yeah. Um, oh, yes. I also wrote down, it took me 46 hours, apparently, not 35. So 46 hours to complete. Um, and I can't wait for the next episode to hit. So that's that on uh, Final Fantasy. Yeah, I hope uh, once the next part releases that you get a chance to play it too, because it's really good. Oh, yes, definitely. I'll probably buy a PS5 first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. But that's that's for another... Uh, for that's another. that's for another episode, right? The PS5 uh, discussion? Oh, yeah. Yes. PS5 discussion, once we know more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we know quite a lot already, but we don't know pricing, and we don't know the full lineup of, uh, of games, so we're going to refrain from commenting too much on... Like, even even some, like, YouTubers that generally do not talk about rumors and only talk about products when they have them in their hands, we're like, I'm going to make a video. <laughs> yes. um, which is like... There's so much speculation going on. Yeah, um, which is fun, but I think we should talk uh, when we either have the consoles at home or, you know, when or almost all the details. a vision on when they are going to come and what the, what the pricing is. Precisely, when we know much more than we do right now. Because now we're just like guessing, you know, people are saying like, oh, no, it's going to be Xbox is going to win this generation. No, PS5 is going to win this generation because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, it's, I mean, it's a pretty dumb concept of winning a generation. Yeah, exactly. I think that's just silly. Uh, meanwhile, we're not us, going to fanboy about uh, PS5 and, uh, and Xbox. Yeah, us PC people are like, yeah, we're just we're just playing one more turn on Civ <laughs> while you guys bicker <laughs> about who wins. Do do you want to talk about this, uh, our Civ games? Sure, yeah, of course I'd, li- yeah, I'd love to let, talk about Let's Civ. do that, because we've recently started uh, playing some Civ games together, right? Yeah, we well, well we, we started... You. Yeah, we've played a couple of... Um, and this is Civ 6, right? Civ 6, yes. Um, we've played a couple of games both together, and we've also played a little bit uh, single player, I guess. Yes, or with other friends, it's... It's been something that's uh, that's been going on for quite quite a while now. Yeah, and I've been gone for a little bit from Civ because I was finishing up Persona, 
but um because those games take take a long while mm-hmm. yeah and civ is civ is incredibly fun um when when the original civ 6 released i was not very impressed by the game because it felt to me like there was it was too similar to civ 5 like the only like the biggest change that kind of changed the game significantly movement. was the district system right Compa- well two two things first movement because you didn't have a you you didn't have a grasp anymore on how units were going to move, so that felt really unsatisfying at first. I found personally. What and do you mean? What do you mean system, when you say? Uh, well, because you have now movement points which uh, count the rain in a in a different way. And in the previous game, in Civ Five, they were rounded up, and now they are rounded down. Yes. So what would have been within your reach? For your settler or your warrior or your entire army, now isn't anymore. And it took a while before I finally get got used to that. Yeah, so movement has been nerfed. So that was a really big uh, change in how how the game felt because you use units, you use workers, you use settlers, and it's it always comes comes back to that movement point. Yeah, it always it's it slows down the game a bit, right? Which is why they also uh, think the new people generally think that new Columbia uh, civilization, which gets an extra movement point, is just insanely powerful. There's uh, well, I think there's definitely a, a couple of uh, balancing issues that the game that 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 like Phyrexis will have to deal with. Um, well, there is the concept of uh, top tier serves and uh, low tier serves. Also true. Um, but you, if you just use a randomizer, you can generally just get around that. Yeah, so that's interesting. Maybe maybe we should explain a little bit more about that. So what we've been doing is we've play we've been playing multiplayer games with like a couple of friends, and we've been using a randomizer to randomly get a pool of sieves, and then you get to choose out of three sieves, I think, which one you want to play. Yes, yes, we put it on three sieves. Could have been more. Could have been less. Yeah. So you get to choose, but this this kind of makes it a little bit more fair, so that n- not you, you can't just like pick the top tier sieve and be like. <laughs> you have all these different leaders, and each leader has a both a nation focus and a, a leader focus, which makes them either warlike or production focused, maybe a science focus, or you might have this amazing culture lady that just flips cities left and right and conquers the entire Greek empire without lifting a single sword. I love that game. Yeah, the the thing about a Civ game is that it's always been incredibly in-depth and you can just go so many directions with so many different leaders. It's just... A sandbox game of fun, right? Basically, um, which makes it an excellent time sink. Um, <laughs> and this this is kind of hilarious because you know we got Thane into uh, into Civ, and um, he has been kind of addicted. He he had like a holiday when we started playing. He had like a week off or something, and he you know we looked at his at his esteem you know, time spent with the game counter and we just saw that shit go up. <laughs> that was Yes. That was something to behold. I think he went from like zero hours to 120 hours played in like two or three weeks. Yeah, must have been something like that. Uh so he was like constantly playing the game and <laughs> he was like, What have you done to me, Silver? 
Uh, so, you know, we had a, we had a laugh about that, but, um, I mean, he, he's, he's not addicted at this point anymore, but he definitely, there was a time, especially when we first started up that he really played it a lot, which is understandable because that's totally what I did with Civ 5 back in the day as well. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but I really like what Civ 6 brings to the table nowadays, especially so with the new expansions. I think the new expansions take effectively what is like the equal of Civ 5 and make it basically better than Civ 5 at this point. There's a lot of depth in there. It's probably also the best that the the World uh, Congress system has ever been. Oh yes, the World Congress in Civ 5, I didn't feel like it was that great. And in this... It, it wasn't. It really wasn't. It's much better in this one, yeah. Yes, and now you have Civs that can go only diplomacy and win that way, which is which is just great. I think you could have a diplomatic victory back in five as well. Yes, but you needed everyone to vote for you to to win or something. And you could uh, alter that with city-states, which is still something that's going on, uh, can go on in uh, this game. But it was really weird. It was just simpler in a way as well. Like It was not as sophisticated a system as, as the system is in this game. But yeah, like what would you say is like your favorite thing about... Civilization Six in general, like what is the thing you enjoy the most? I've mostly well the va- variety of all the all the play styles. It's even more various than Civ Five, in my opinion. And I actually, uh, we went with the random leaders the first time we played, and since then most of my games that I've played, I've tried to achieve a culture victory. Well, most some of, of them because. Uh, in our first game, I got Pericles, which gets quite a few bonuses of city-states and culture. So I was so far ahead in culture that most people still had the first government and I, I finished the entire tech tree. That was that was utterly crazy. And I was in uh, that game, right? Yeah, you were in that game. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember how you crushed us. <laughs> well, crushed you. It was either going to be me on the culture front or uh, our other friends uh, since on the uh, on the science front because we had both just finished the, the tech tree <laughs> yeah and i was gonna lose either way so uh yeah uh i was good i actually won a game in cul- culture like a full-on win with uh, eleanor of aquitaine which has a mechanic where you use uh paintings and works of art to, and you place them in your in your cities and cities within nine tiles lose one loyalty for each uh, piece of art. So if you place your cities right and you place all your culture in them and you you place some more uh, some more governors and suddenly their their uh, their city are going disloyal. Yeah, their cities become disloyal and yeah. And generally, when they become disloyal, they turn into free states. But Eleanor's. Uh, special ability is that as long as she is exerting influence on these cities no matter how little they immediately flip to them to her so sometimes what happens is a city flips to you and then it tries to become disloyal from you because you were you were influential but not influential enough yeah so it still flips to you but you're at risk of losing it so you have to work really hard to keep it, but that's really, really fun, actually. And that's I talked about this earlier. 
that's how I conquered the entire Greek Empire without ju- without using any units, and that was really fun. And apparently they don't get mad at you, which they probably should, because they literally lost their entire empire. So I was also actually in the lead for domination that game, even though I was wasn't going for domination at all. Okay, <laughs> that's how yeah, strong that you were. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Another really fascinating one is, uh, and I need to talk about this. It's uh, the the guy that starts in the ocean. What's it called again? The Maori, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think it's Maori. They start in the ocean, and you just have to go wherever and hope you find a good land to to start on. Well, that's really interesting. And you might just start on a totally different continent from everyone else. Yeah, that's right. I think what really makes this so replayable is that the, the, just the sheer volume of settings you can change to make the game more tailored to what you like, like map, uh, how many barbarians are present, uh, how difficult is the AI... I think you have to pay attention though because you you don't want to optimize the fun out of the game. Well, I think that's more optimal for me. Yeah, I think it depends on on you know one player to the other. I think you know I like oh, playing definitely. on very big maps, um, for example. And like we've had talks about this, like for our multiplayer games, we're not even sure what's the best. Right? If your map is too big then you, you know everybody everybody has ex- like a lot of space to expand you don't meet each other and, and like you have conflict these empires that take ages to to manage but on the other hand if you pick, pick your map too small it's just too small you're too close to each other you have to find a nice balance i think and and that's what we've been trying to do but i think we we should start a new game uh, very soon oh definitely and uh, and and you know get some more playtime in because uh, i really fucking love this game it's it's great. Uh, th- there's only one problem, you know. It's like um, just time just disappears when you play it. Uh, <laughs> you're I like, remember a few times where we said we're only going to play up to oh, three no. hours, and then five or six hours passed. Oh god, yeah. We were like, you know, we're, we'd start at nine o'clock, and we'd be like, yeah, before midnight, we're gonna stop, right? And then it's like two a.m. And you're like, oh no, I need to work I tomorrow. Have, I have to work, yes. <laughs> But that it's, was a frequent complaint. And we just keep clicking that next turn button. And we're like, damn, what are we doing? But yeah, this game is so good. It's, it's like like any at any given moment, you're always like one or a couple of turns away from something interesting happening. And that's what keeps your attention throughout the game. Uh, you're never bored playing Civ, right? Unless you like really dislike the, the mechanics, like the core mechanics of the game, at which point I would say like, it's not your thing, this genre in general, but it's really good. It's really good. It's been so much fun. Uh, there, and I, there have been quite a few 4X games, which is the name of the genre, but Seth is still the undisputed undisp- king. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would say so, yeah. There's not many others. Like, maybe Total War comes close, which... Um, I, I guess you could say uh, Total War is a 4X, but... Definitely less. I was more thinking yeah, about the, ca- the campaign games like, uh, yeah, more like games like um, endless, endless legends, yeah, endless or, space, uh, Warhammer Gladius. Yeah. No, sure. Um, I think Civ is the ultimate winner there. Yeah. Um, 
the thing about Warhammer Total, like general Total War games, is that they're 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 kind of 4x, but not really. Well, they they have empire management uh, systems going in, but the real the real core of those games are the the battles, right? The real time strategy. In a way, that's true, but in the, at, at the same time, that's also not true because sometimes I just enjoy like the empire management so much that I end up auto resolving like half of my battles or or even more like 90%. Oh sure, Which sure, is but... super non-optimal actually if you think about it, but whatever, I really enjoy. I really enjoy well, the depends. campaign. Management. Sometimes the uh, the auto resolve is better than you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a common complaint. Um, <laughs> can we talk about Warhammer a little bit cuz I have well, if, you, some, if you want to, definitely. I have some stuff to say on it. So I uh, they recently released a patch um, w- with some new mechanics as well. So there were two new leaders, um, the warden and the paunch uh, are the two new leaders. So there's uh, El Eltharion, the warden of uh, of uh, Ivres, uh, which is the the like the elven uh, continent basically, um, and he has to hold off Grom the paunch, and Grom is like this orc, uh, this green skin. Um, who's really strong and a really good cook and a really good cook, which, you know, like both of the factions have this interesting new, uh, extra mechanic. So, um, the warden has, you know, he's the warden, so he gets to lock up people. And then, uh, Grom the paunch is always hungry. He has this huge belly. So he's always cooking. He's, (laughs) yeah, he's really fat. Um, he is morbidly obese, but, but he's an orc, so. So it's that fine. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah, he's, they're both really fun to play. Um, in in the latest patch, they've also, uh, as usual, uh, they've been doing this for the last few releases. They've sped up turn times again, so it takes even less time to uh, to get to the next turn, which was a big complaint uh, of me. Like a couple of months ago, I would be like, uh, you know, but playing Total War just like takes time, especially in the late game. It's also a one more turn game. It's a it's a one more turn game for sure. Uh, I think in a, to a lesser extent because sometimes you know I think Total War is, is better in this regard because sometimes there's like a battle that isn't easy, and like oh you know you have to fight this next turn so you like hit the next uh, next turn button and then like either you get sieged or you have to siege or something like that. Well, so, some of the turns just take so long because of of the. Ba- if there's a battle that might some last up to 40 minutes. Exactly. And that's why I like, I, like that's like the perfect moment for me to say, I'm going to quick save. And then when I resume the game, like tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, I can just start off with this battle and we try to do it right. I played through a, a campaign on very hard difficulty, which was like the name is, is, is real. It's actually quite hard to get through the game. Um, I know if you're like a Total War veteran, you're probably thinking, come on, like you play on Legendary or you don't play at all, right? Um, but oh, for somebody yes, who. Yes, yes, obviously. For somebody who casually plays Total War games like this, um, Very Hard was very challenging. Um, I, I've played like a couple of High Elf campaigns already, so uh, I know the unit roster. And you that... really like the, the High Elves, don't you? You really need to know the unit roster, so yeah. And yes, I like I like the high elves. I actually did a couple of playthroughs of, of Warhammer. In fact, I even played Dark Elves uh, as well, which is also really fun. Um, yeah, I think like Total War Warhammer is is kind of like Civ in a way that it has so many different mechanics for so many different factions that it is just so big. You know, you can play the you can finish a campaign, which can take depending on how you play, it can take a very long time if you want to like 
fight every battle, it's going to take you 60, 70 hours to go through a single campaign. Um, if you auto-resolve, then it can be significantly shorter. Um, but that's just one playthrough with one lord of one faction. And there's so many factions in this game. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Yes, there are a lot of factions. Especially if you're playing the Mortal Empires campaign. Yeah, so there's one thing you have to take into consideration, and that is, of course, that if you want to play the Mortal Empires campaign, you need to have both the first and the second game, and then there's, like, extra DLC. But to be honest, you don't even need any of that. You can nowadays just pick up Warhammer 2, play the Vortex campaign, and there's, like, hours of excellent entertaining waiting for you there. Yeah, so the way it works is the uh, the world of... Uh... Warhammer is basically an altered version of the Earth, and the first Warhammer uh, generally takes place in the Warhammer e equivalent of Europe and North Africa, while the second game, Warhammer 2, takes North and South Warhammer America and, uh, and the rest of Africa. Warhammer America, so guys. If you play Mortal Empire, it's basically two-thirds of the entire Warhammer world that you're playing. Because it's a map that takes both maps and smashes them together. They they do change like the scaling, so if you play the uh, the default uh, vort Vortex campaign, there's more regions, and you get like a slightly zoomed-in version of, of the map that you get in uh, Mortal Empires. But just the scope of this game is unlike any Total War game I've ever played before. And the game has only improved over the years, so um, it's it it's gone from an absolute recommendation to like you must play this game if you even think this sounds uh, interesting. But yeah, we've t we've talked about Warhammer before in the podcast, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on it. We can talk about Apex perhaps because we've been playing a bunch of that. Oh right? yes, Apex! I've been going crazy on that game. <laughs> <laughs> I've been going crazy. <laughs> Well, I I got my myself a new setup and uh, oh yeah, that's true. The, I've been much more comfortable gaming. Uh, my mouse is just so much better. Apparently, my mouse was really bad previously. I didn't know because now you, you know. compare, of course. Yeah, so you got like a new monitor as well, right? Yes, I went from a in a good game going from a three kills a match to in a good game. Up to twelve or something. <laughs> yeah, you you've been tearing apart enemy squads for sure. I guess I guess it's a combination of the new setup and you just playing more, right? As well. Oh, definitely, because the game has quite a bit of depth. It has really good gunplay. So I joined you in playing a lot uh, near the end of last season. I haven't played as much this season. Um, I know you've been keeping up with uh, the game this season. Well, um, trying at least. Trying at least, yeah. I've been busy with Persona. Again, it's always Persona, right? Um, it's always Persona. But yeah, I, I imagine I will be playing more Apex uh, soon as well. So that will be fun. But yeah, so last season we started playing. Um, what was the latest change that they did in the season? They were like... From last season, you mean? I think they started alternating the maps at a certain yes, point, which made, it, which made it more interesting for us to play. Yes, there is World Edge and King's Canyon. King's Canyon was the uh, the first map released, which has gone through uh, several new uh, reworks. The yes, last right. one just just this season, even. 
And then you have the uh, the World's Edge map, which was the quote-unquote new one. Mm-hmm. It's been in there for quite a bit now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that hasn't really been changed a lot yet. No, it hasn't, but that's okay, right? Uh, and of course, every season they introduce a new character as well, which is a ton of fun. Changes yes, the one or two or something like that. Changes the meta up. Um, and of course, there's like the the battle pass progression system, which I think is pretty fun. Uh, it works yeah, well, and it's pretty fair. Yeah, it's a, it's a like a, the, the I like to trash talk um, Fortnite, Fortnite a lot. Um, but really, uh, I think Fortnite really nailed the battle pass system in you know how it provides you with uh, a constant flow of new rewards. Yes, um, it's very it's really much good so for people who are paying for it. But I think the battle pass system in general can be a bit expensive. This is also yeah, I I would say so. I guess it's not too expensive. I think. Um, for a free to play game it's def- def- definitely manageable like imagine this um this was a regular game and this was like 60 bucks um then you could probably play like what four seasons or so for that price yeah yeah it's 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 still a free to play game of course we have to take that in account and the as long as there are no uh pay to win items in the battle pass no exactly and there's none yet right so mostly fine mm mm-hmm. mhm well, I mean, you need to play a lot in order to unlock stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, Which is where most of my free time has gone into. <laughs> because <laughs> even if you pay for the battle pass, and so if you don't pay, you only get a few rewards every few levels. Yes. But if you pay for it, you get a reward every level. Yeah, and it's all cosmetics and gun skins and emotes and stuff like that, right? And stuff to unlock more cosmetics and remote uh, emotes. Even loading screens. Even loading screens and uh, loading screen music. <laughs> which which I think is pretty funny. But yeah, if you want to unlock, go till one level 100 of the battle pass, you have to play a lot. Yeah, you have to play, I think, every night or something like that. Something like that, exactly. Uh, to get there. Or you could buy ranks with real money uh, as well. Yeah, so but that's, that's insanely expensive. That's, yeah, that's... You should never do that. Absolutely prohibi- prohibitively expensive. I think if unless you can, like, you know, <laughs> unless you use money to piss other people off um, and you, you have, like, a ton of it, <laughs> like, you just became a multi-millionaire, um, then, you know, then it's a good investment to get those ranks in Apex. Uh, any any other kind of person who who makes a normal you know wage, uh, I would not recommend to buy yeah, I ranks. Think it's something <laughs> like one point five euros a level, which is just insane. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it's a no. I think it's more even. I, I think it's one point five one one fifty uh, coins, right? And it's is that so? Uh, yeah, I think it, I think that's the that's one. Oh, okay. Well, then then I guess it's it's still quote-unquote okay expensive. but it's still really expensive compared to like the starting price of the of the season yeah. pass right which is like what if, 10 15 if you want to uh if you want to have an increase of 10 levels you have to pay 15 euros which you can't pay because you need to buy them in bundles so you have to pay at least 20 or something oh yeah that's right yeah i i don't know the the numbers by heart but yeah it's and that's that's where they kind of get you, I guess. Mm-hmm. And also, but, of course, there's loot boxes in the game. It's just we can't buy them here in Belgium, so... I'm not really mad mad about that. No, me neither. Um, especially because you can unlock all of the cosmetics. 
exactly. uh, with the currency that the season pass also provides you. So unless you want like all of the cosmetics, you don't really need loot boxes. I think the only thing that you really need loot boxes for is like the the special weapons, which I think are pretty scummy though. Yeah, uh, you mean the, the heirlooms? The heirlooms, yeah. Yes, because they... These are actually uh, kind of melee weapons mm-hmm. but that replace your your fists, uh, your right? standard your standard melee attack. So it's not a game advantage, but it definitely looks cooler because mm-hmm. you're you now have a hero uh, running around with a uh, with a kunai or with boxing gloves or one with a statue of himself. Yeah, I've seen plenty of uh, of, of people. Um on on like youtube and stuff who have been uh you know watch them spend a lot of money just to try to get heirlooms which i mean it's it's pretty bad yeah that's, um that's really i've never understood these unboxing videos where people just pay money for loot boxes and then unbox them i think that's my biggest complaint with the game in terms of monetization like that it that it has the the heirloom system i think everything else is okay like you shouldn't have to pay for getting to a level 100 but if you were to pay for it like yes it's very expensive but it's not like you you know what you're going to get for that what you know however many levels you're going to level so for that 150 euros or something right you know what you're going to get with heirlooms you can just throw hundreds of euros at it and not get the heirlooms and that's where where I go from you know what you're getting to this is just basically gambling, and that's of course why it's forbidden uh, and prohibited here in Belgium. So there's also a way to get the heirlooms because heirlooms are introduced by special events, mm-hmm. and during these events, if you buy all of the special cosmetics of that event, which are generally about twenty or twenty-four or something, yeah, still very expensive, each, right? Yeah. Uh, and the legendaries, uh, half of them are legendaries, and each of those legendaries costs about 18 euros. <laughs> and if you yeah. have all of those, you get the uh, the heirloom for free, yeah, or that's... else you have to wait for a loot box. Mm-hmm. That's been the case ever since the uh, since the Bloodhound event. Yes. I think, but before that, uh, that wasn't the case. So if you wanted yeah, to get, yeah, like, of course, of course. Rates, uh, rates uh, heirloom, yeah, you had to, like, spend rates, a lot of money. heirloom, definitely not. I'm not sure about the other ones because I wasn't around for those. Yeah, me neither. I, I only, we only really played, like, when the game was out yes. at the start, yes. right? So, so we, we, I played season one, season... Uh, we played season four, zero, season even. Five. We played even season zero. zero was right? that was that called season zero? Mm-hmm. Yeah, season zero, season uh, the beginning of season one, and then season four and five. I played and you. I played zero, one, two. I skipped three, I think, and then four and five. But I didn't play a lot of season two at all. It was like just maybe two games or something, and then I was like, "This is not for me anymore." But I, I played a lot for the first for, for like the the first when the game just released, which is quote unquote uh, season zero. Uh, so I played a lot during season zero, and then uh, when the first battle pass was announced and released, which was officially season one, uh, the rewards were pretty meh. Uh, the community wasn't very impressed. I wasn't very impressed, and you know we'd played so much of the game in such a short amount of time, we just kind of grew out of it. Yes. Uh, and and I think this is a great game to just dive into, play it for a couple of weeks. And then just take a break and then play it for another few weeks and then take a oh, break. Oh, yes, like, definitely. Unless you're really hardcore and you play every time, which, I mean, there's people out there, right? Well, 
I've done that for the last few months. But you know, well, yeah, sure, yeah. But it's been really good for the last yeah, few it's months. It's been really right? good, so. and I kind of want to pl- talk a bit about the gameplay again. Oh yes, for sure. Because uh, first of all, the the shooting mechanics are great. The gun feel is pretty on on spot on spot. Well, yeah. So it it is X Infinity Ward guys, right? Who um, oh definitely but... who did this. A lot of the game uh, really has you. You can feel that it's made by the same guys who made Modern Warfare Two back in the day. You can really feel it. It's there's some part of the com some parts of the combat is just viscerally so good that um, it really takes me back to those days. Like I I used to play Modern Warfare Two back in the day. I was on console, but I I really loved loved that game played that game so much and this game is you know pretty much as addictive if if you really get into it um it's just better in teams like i know like call of duty games aren't that fun in teams this is a team oriented game this works really well and if you've got a few friends lined up to play with you this game is just a a, a treat yes playing with friends is probably the optimal way to play this game playing with randos is is uh, a mixed bag i'd say Yes, it's not. This game will definitely teach you who is the fourth friends in the in the group of oh. friends. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you can only maximum play with with three people in the in a team. Yeah, that was a problem well, we they, we had at actually, during zero season zero, right? Well, they they have solved that that problem because now there's duos in the game. Now there's duo queues in the game. That's true. So if you have four friends who want to play, you just split up in two groups of. Uh, so how do you feel people. about uh, DOQ? I kind of like it. It's it's good. You have you definitely have more teams running around the game, so the game is a bit more populated. I feel like duos is easier to play. I feel like when whenever we play duos, uh, the engagements tend to be um, like if we fight, we either get destroyed immediately. Uh, or we just destroy them immediately. Whereas if if the party size is three, um, you have more factors to, to th- work with. There's right? more factors and there's more stragglers, and then somebody can just res their teammates and stuff. So it's it's interesting how how like how that really kind of changes the game. Um, like just positioning and stuff changes, right? If there's just two of you, you have to consider like where you can go. If there's three three of you, you can you can have somebody do Overwatch. While the other two people move and stuff like that, so um, your tactical options are limited. It it definitely changes up the, the tactical perspective, right? Yeah, and I think that's real. That's a really good addition to the game. Yes, yes, definitely. And it's like like I also said, it makes this, the map a bit smaller because everyone wants a certain space around them to be safe. So it either forces more engagements or pushes people into other people's engagements. But uh, it's just running around with three is also fun because, like we said, you have way more factors to work with. If two people are engaging, the third can run around, and and when a fight is almost done, the third person can still drop in and just annihilate, <laughs> which we have seen quite often. Yeah, so the third player is kind of like a wild card at, at a certain point, right? Yeah, it often feels like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you've got a really good teammate, they can like salvage the situation even though two guys are dead. Yes, when when some North Korean guy joins your party, you know that's going to be crazy. North Korean? Yes, North Korean. Somebody just escaped is like I'm <laughs> I'm playing Apex, man. I'm so good at this game. You, you don't know you you don't know but 
actually they use Apex Legends in North Korea to just train their soldiers. <laughs> they are really good at parkour and just sliding around the map. Which which actually brings me <laughs> to the the new point that's uh, another point that's really fascinating about this game. Okay. It's the movements. Yeah. This is like um basically they 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 took Titanfall Titanfall's movement system and they were like it's a little bit too extreme for new players so let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, but you can climb on to- on top of pretty much every wall. You you can slide, and when you're going downhill, you slide extremely fast. If you jump while sliding, you just it's almost like you take off into space. Yeah, so I think the movement is 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 perfect for for this type of game. Like if you if you had like you know the pilot antics from from Titanfall in this game, it would have been too much. I think this is perfect. Well, you still have a few legends that have expanded uh, movement pools, right? Like Octane or mm-hmm. Pathfinder. Yeah, absolutely. Pathfinder but... uses the the pilot's uh, grappling hook from Titanfall. Yes. Yeah, but in you know in a in a more constrained way, it's not it's not quite the same, right? I mean, and there's a. It's not as extreme. And then in the latest patches, they've they've also just like added a increased the cooldown of that to make it less powerful. Yes. And for um, uh, the jumping pads of Octane, they actually added a double jump in the game, which is just <laughs> really funny. Yeah, so they've made they've made good changes and they've expanded the the basics of the movement system. But I think the f- the foundation of the movement system is really well done as well. So yes, exactly. And that's a really important part, and probably what makes this uh, battle royale stick out compared to other battle royales, because PUBG is incredibly slow. It's just, it's just the it's just janky, right? As well. Oh, absolutely! It's not well optimized at all. It's and better on mobile <laughs> than it is on desktop. Yeah, it's better on mobile, which is just utterly dumb. And then you have uh, Fortnite, which, all respect to Fortnite for what they've done and how they've expanded the genre. I think Fortnite is fine, but it's it's not for us. It's it's fine. It's it's not for us, definitely. In, both in uh, in player base and the yeah. actual gameplay yeah, itself, exactly. it's not for us. But for everyone who enjoys it, uh, absolutely have fun. It's it's, it's, it's quite been, a phenomenon. It's been an adventure, uh, for sure. But Apex is just so utterly fast and fast paced, and for you have way more options in engagement. And somebody engages you from across half the map, and you can actually run up to them as long as you take some cover and engage them with your shot- shotgun. Yeah, I think the the only real issue that that Apex still has that has existed ever since the game released is that its servers aren't the best. Oh yes, yes, yes. In in that sometimes you end up in a server that just like you know like there's rubber banding all over the place. Time dilation. You just everybody has bullet time. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's what it feels like sometimes. And then of course there's like the the tick rate of the servers is is too low. Um, they should they should increase it to make it feel more responsive. I think they have the lowest tick rate of all the uh, battle royale games, which is especially so at the start. Kind of, the of game. insane. As to you me. get further in the game, like the tick rate goes up because there's fewer players, so that's easier to do. But especially at the start, it oh, feels... does it actually have a ver- uh, variable uh, tick rate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I believe uh, that's what I uh, I heard before. Okay. So, uh, because initially there's so many players, uh, the tick rate is slower. I think this is how they do it in a, in a variety of these games. Uh, and then as the player pool decreases and there's fewer people uh, remaining, 
of course, shots and how they're placed and where they're placed get to, to be more important. So they actually increase the, uh, the tick rate ever so slightly. I, I still think it's pretty low even after that. But, um, yeah, they, I think they need to do something about it in general. So, but yeah, it's still, it's still a fun game no matter what. But I, I feel like the, the shooting is fun, but inconsistent at times, depending on, you know, what the connection to the, to the game server is. Well, it's it's fine most of the times. It's just sometimes you you notice it. Sometimes it's been it's been frustrating, I'd say. Yeah, but it's been it's been a great 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 fun. So um, that reminds me. After this, uh, do we play some Apex? Uh, <laughs> we might okay. do. Yeah. Great. All right. Was there any other game you wanted to talk about in particular, or do you think that's uh... um may- maybe yes? Because there's one more game, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be the last one we're going to talk about. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun. Okay, yes. Which is an absolutely ridiculously fun game, and it's been quite a while since I had this much fun with a single game. Okay, so tell us more about this. High praise, high praise, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Shadow Tactics is actually a stealth RTS, real-time strategy. Mm-hmm. And it's this genre hasn't been around for quite a while. The last, the last time we had this genre was uh, back in the times of Desperados, and uh, I, I can't even remember all the other other names. But basically, you have up to five units that run around on the map at a, at the same time, each with a slightly different skill set. So you have the samurai who can take uh, take out big groups of people, and you have the ninja who throws his shuriken and is really stealthy. You have a, ki- a little kid that's... Uh, well, little kid. Maybe not that little. But she plays straps and uses her flute to lure people around the corner. And then you have the- an old guy with-, with a gun. That's that's his special ability. Gun. <laughs> old guy with gun. <laughs> and you have a woman that can disguise herself. Uh-huh. And you can mix and match all their different ability sets. Because some people might be able to just scale any surface while the, the old guy and the samurai, because the, uh, one is weighed down by his armor and the other is just old <laughs> and has a wooden leg. I see. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they, they can't really climb the vines of, uh, on the side of a building. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's it has all these abilities and, and then you need to use those abilities to essentially create weak point, points in the enemy placements. Because most enemies are actually recent, decently well placed, unlike most uh, stealth games. In most stealth games, enemies are placed in such a way that there is a path through, and you can slightly manipulate that. But in this game, most enemies have vision on each other for a certain amount of time, and you need to lure them away, or distract them, or do stuff like that, to actually create optimal spots for you to continue to work on. And it's just this giant sandbox this giant stalled sandbox that takes sometimes up to one hour and a half to just finish a single level i see yeah that's a lot of time but it it is and then they have challenges which uh one of them is always a speedrun challenge and you see oh i needed to have finished that in uh, in nine minutes for the speedrun so uh, you know, I I have some experience with uh, you know tactical games, not necessarily uh, this particular genre, but yes. you know, as is the case with most tactical games that have some some sort of real time component to them, 
uh, is that, you know, the very first time you're going through something, it takes you quite a while to get through it, right? To, to understand oh, everything. Yes, you need to familiarize yourself with the map and the enemy. Yeah, and then on subsequent runs, you can actually go through these pretty fast, so. Oh, yes, definitely. That's, uh, I, I think, you know, like replaying them is also pretty fun in this case. Yes. So, and yeah. one of the best innovations, I think, uh, compared to other stealth games, Generally, most stealth games have a either oh this uh, uh, you can go non-lethal and it gives you extra uh, experience points, or it gives you a different ending. And this game doesn't have that. If you kill people, you kill people. If you don't kill people, you don't kill people. And most stealth games also have uh, extra bonuses, uh, point points you can receive and uh, awards at the end of the match and generally you already know about which rewards those are going to be so you play in a certain way but shadow tactics d it has these rewards but it doesn't reveal them to you oh. until either you've done them or you've finished the mission at least once right so as to not influence the way you're gonna approach yes. yeah the first time you run through a level, it's just you, the level, and the end goal. Yeah, and you f that's it. You figure it out, and then on subsequent you figure it out. On yes. subsequent runs, you know kind of what's what and what you can do. Yes. Yeah. And another fascinating part is you have up to five characters. In most missions, you only have two or three of them. It's only one where you use five. Can you freely choose which characters you want, or is it like... No, they're, they're based on... Uh, each mission has a set, uh, set combination. So the first one has the, the ninja guy and the, and the samurai. So it's fairly linear in terms of stages, then. Is that right? Uh, well... Or how would you describe depends it? Depends on how you define linear, right? Because they are big open sandboxes each yeah, map no, is a big I mean, open like, sandbox yeah, so, but there's big open sandbox well, one big open sandbox two and they're yes, and like yes. the characters are fixed for each right and how yes, you absolutely. how you approach the the sandbox is of course you know something that you decide um, yes yeah. for example i mentioned the uh delayed uh the little girl mm -hmm. who has a flute and a trap yeah and you don't have to combine them. You can just use the the flute to to lure them away and sneak around without killing them, or lure an entire group of uh, enemies into the uh, into the big samurai and just cut them up without ever touching the trap. This was on. I forgot sale, for the right? longest time that yes, it was on sale for. I think the cheapest it's been is like something six six or seven euros. I actually picked this up myself, so uh, you know I like the way you're describing it. I, I I think I should give it a go. It's it's a really great game, and I can only recommend it. And this game, uh, this team also did the recent Desperados three, so that's the next on the list. I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sounds interesting. Oh, I probably should also talk about the shadow mode, which is yeah, it's a uh, shadow tactics, right? Yeah, it's Shadow Tactics. But Shadow Mode is a mode you press the Shift key and everything goes all, well, shadowy and smoky. Uh -huh. And you can plan out one action for each character. And when you press uh, Enter, they execute them at the same time. Or they will first move in a, in a position where they can execute them from. Right, so it's, it's kind of like a, a pause menu and then... Well, it's a pause menu, I think, in Desperados 3, but it's not pausing it in uh, 
in sh- in shadow tactics. Oh, so 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 like stuff still happens. Still happens. But you yeah. just kind of tell them what to execute simultaneously. Yes, exactly. But you need to take in mind that, uh, well, if you're outside of the sh- shadow mode, you can still run around and it will remember the what you've planned in shadow mode. But if you're not in range uh, to execute that action, uh, your units will actually just run around to try and get in range of the enemy. So you might want to play around or you can manually... For example, throw a rock, distract him, and then press the enter button to, u- to use two of your characters to jump off a, of a roof and assassinate two guys. Right, so there's incredible flexibility that you get. There's by, quite a bit of flexibility. By being able... So this, this just effectively makes it simpler to kind of orchestrate more complex scenarios, right? Yes, exactly. When you have something that needs to happen simultaneously, that's how you that's do how it. That's how you do it, yeah. But the setup is more manually, or you can do something like that for a setup of a single assassination or, of, or something like that. Yeah, that does sound fun. It's not all powerful, so it can't really break the game, but it's no, no, no. really fun to play around with. And how long would you say the game is in general? How much time I've have you spent, spent on it? I've spent almost 20 hours on it, and I've, I'm getting close to the end. So there's still a lot of fun to go for you there. Yes, and I've the most challenges I've done, each uh, level has up to nine challenges that you can complete. A lot of them at the same time. But I've the most I've ever completed on a single level is three. Most of, most of the time it's just one. But these are challenges like don't go in the water, so you have all, always need to stay on land and you can't skip any part. Or... Uh, don't kill anybody or don't use any of the items that are are given to you. In one of my latest missions, I had to knock someone out. So it was the first time I didn't have to assassinate somebody. And I could either disguise myself as the masseur or heat up the water of his bath and have him run away to to jump in some cool, a cold pool or something. And these uh, these actions actually make sure that his bodyguards aren't with him. But you can also not do either of them and just deal with the bodyguards and knock them out, which is way more difficult. But still doable, and that's one of the challenges. Right. So it sounds like you know you 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 figure out the the first the very first time you play the map, you're like you figure sh- stuff out on your own. Yes. Exactly. And then at that point, like. The replayability kicks in because here's a bunch of challenges where you have to be very careful because you have to do this, this, and this, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's a great way to add replayability, right? I mean, if developers yes, are going to take care to put in certain solutions and you don't make use of that solution, you know, why not put in like some sort of challenge or achievement, you know, for you to try to pursue that as well, you know? Yeah. So there are challenges to use those. Uh, uh, solutions, their challenges do not use the solutions. Mm-hmm. The amazing thing is the fact that they don't force them upon you. No, right. At first. Yeah, so that sounds... Which gives you so much freedom to play around because that's a problem I've always had with Deus Ex and Dishonored and stuff like that. Yeah, there, there's usually some kind of benefit that pushes you to a specific playstyle, right? Yes, exactly. So in Deus Ex, for example, I know that you could like get like a ton more XP by just playing stealthy mode. Yes. 
Or hacking everything even though you have the solution. Yeah, exactly. Because that would just award you more XP. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, as much as I love the Deus Ex games, I think that's indeed one of the problems. And I, I think that's something that the original game, you know, the one back from 2001 or something, uh, didn't have. So. Yeah, might be. I haven't played that one. It's kind of, it's really old. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But there's actually, um, there's actually a really good mod out for, for that game that gives it like a slightly more modern UI and stuff. And the story is still quite compelling. Um, I actually went through the original Deus Ex like back in, I want to say 2013 or so. Yeah, I remember. And I got like that. through the majority of the game. Um, at a certain point, like I couldn't progress or something. I don't actually remember why I stopped playing. I think some, some other game suddenly popped up and I wanted to play that and I kind of lost sight of it. But <laughs> that's a frequent problem. Isn't I it? still kind of regret that I, to this day, that I haven't completely beat beaten the original deus ex um and it's hard to go back to the point you stopped at oh yeah because i'm like i was really far in so i have to restart from scratch i don't even remember much from the game anymore but it's 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 something special because it's you know it's like a you know it's like human revolution and uh you know the latest deus ex game as well um mankind divided in that it is just yeah. so like the atmosphere and like it's unique right there's nothing quite like it you know, maybe System Shock, but... Really excited for the remake, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the studio there. I, like, there was some it's, mixed messaging coming from various... Oh, definitely. Various Cautious, but excited. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, but that does sound interesting. All right, well, uh, we've covered quite some topics at this point, right? Yeah, exactly. It's been quite a while. So. <laughs> We're going to make this a short episode, Jirs. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. One hour and 40 minutes later... Yeah, this is the point where I have to now do the outro, right? Because Thane isn't here. Um, oh, yes, yes. Which is weird, because I've never had to do this outro before. So, hi, everybody. Thank you for listening. We've had a chance to talk about a couple of interesting games. And, um, you know, before we actually just sign off, I would recommend that you pick up uh, these games. So, Civ is, is a good uh, purchase. I mean, it's kind of, our timing's kind of bad, because the Steam sale just ended. <laughs> <laughs> but oh well um if you get a chance to pick these up so shadow tactics blades of the shogun right amazing game is that only on pc or is it on console as well i think it's it's also on console and apparently the controller support is really great i haven't tried it myself but i keep hearing things about it all right so. that's fantastic because i was just about to say um you know the the bigger uh the you know like the more platforms you can play it on the better uh, which is, oh, yes, of course, we talked about Apex Legends today, which is also on console, so you can go and enjoy that on, on your preferred platform. Heck, even Civilization Six Civilization is available on pretty much anything. Like, do you have a tablet? You can play Civ on it. Do you have a Nintendo Switch? You can play Civ on it. You can it. play it on your smart toilet. Yes. <laughs> you can play it on your refrigerator. <laughs> not re Well, let's do not Not really on your refrigerator. But yes, you can play Doom. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I have played Doom Eternal just a bit, so I'm not ready to talk about it very much. But Oh, uh, yes, yes. Maybe for next time. Maybe next time. I also need to finish it up. Yeah. I'm like 30% in, I think, but hey, that's that's for next time. I'm 80. What we're going to talk about next time also is probably, I'm saying probably because it's not set in stone yet, but once we know more about the next-gen consoles, that's something we want to you know, look into uh, and talk about. Because, you know, from a programmer's perspective, I have some interesting stuff to say. I watched, like, some of the tech talks um, intended for developers. Um, 
And there's some really interesting, I will, I'm, I'm going to have some interesting things to say about that, specifically uh, when it comes to the, uh, to the PlayStation uh, version. Uh, yeah, I have, I have some interesting information there. <laughs> okay, excited for that one. Uh, but that's going to be next time likely, or, you know, the episode after that, depends on how many we make. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's been this episode. Uh, I hope you had a great time. I know I had a great time. I hope you had uh, had some fun recording this. I had fun, all right, definitely. Great. Let's do this again. To all of you who've listened, thank you so much for tuning in, as usual. Uh, of course, the show is made possible by nobody because we have no sponsors at this time. So this is a project that is purely made out of the goodwill passion project. in our hearts. That's right, a passion project. We're not sponsored by anybody. We don't get review copies. So, you know, what you're hearing is pretty much, you know, our, our uncensored thoughts. Uh, and every, you know, every now and then a good meme about how shitty Destiny is, you know, which is the way it goes on this podcast. Uh, Destiny is apparently like doing interesting stuff and there's not going to be a Destiny 3. And, you know, that also oh, sounds really? very interesting to talk about. So, um, yeah, that's maybe something we can look at later as well. But um, anyway, uh, with that, I would like to wish you a good morning. A good afternoon or a good evening, wherever you are in the world, it doesn't matter. And we'll see you next time. Oh man, I, I totally botched the outro there, but oh well, it doesn't matter because I'm not McThane and I can do it my way. We're going to be back when we do our next episode. Um, I don't, I've said this before in, in the like, like little updates that um, I posted about uh, Thane as well, is that from this point on, I don't want to commit to oh, we're going to have an episode every month. So that's not going to be the case. I, I want to still strive for that, but I don't want to promise you guys that because we haven't been delivering on regular content uh, at all, really, uh, in the last year. So um, what I will promise you is that every now and then you're going to get more of this passion project of ours, uh, of XP Games, where we talk about video games that we've been playing or, or interesting news and uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, do you have something else to say, Thane? Uh, Thane, wow. Yes, I am Thane. <laughs> L- listen to my smooth and silky voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I get why Thane always has so many difficulties with the intro <laughs> and the outro. Because <laughs> I'm experiencing it uh. myself. So yeah, um, do you have something else interesting uh, that you still want to mention or plug or whatever that you think is uh, people should go get or uh, not play? really? I think everything else we're going to keep for maybe another show or maybe we'll talk about other stuff. So for now, I think this is this is great. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, and um, to everybody who's listened in, thank you for coming and listening to the show, even though Thane isn't here. Um, I'm happy you made it this far. (laughs) Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you again when the next episode hits. And uh, at this point, I'd like to wish you good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. It doesn't really matter where you are in the world, does it? Thank you for tuning in. Have a nice one. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Ciao. Peace.